Hello, everyone, and welcome to Health and Happiness at Work. This podcast is for busy working adults trying to figure out how to better take care of themselves and others. My name is Katie, and I will be your host. We are here today because adulting is hard and because busy working adults spend more time at work than anywhere else. We're going to have real conversations about real life and, most importantly, swing into action on the biggest opportunities. We're going to talk about ways to layer health, fitness, and wellness directly into your workday so that you feel fantastic. I cannot wait to dive deeper into each of these topics related to health and happiness. You are not alone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of Health and Happiness at Work. I cannot believe we are here. The last episode of this season is being recorded as I speak. Uh, So thank you for tuning in and listening. We are here today to explore what I call Cultivate Connection, leaning into relationship building for greater health and happiness. Sometimes I take my inspiration from my own writing, my own life, my own experience of work, and today holds true to that last bullet. (laughs) I take inspiration from my clients and what clients are asking for. So I've always known and believed that people need people, and actually it has been foundational in the creation and development of my business. Fun fact, that historically has been one of my key differentiators is saying that my business is high touch, highly relational, and beyond that, in person. I was really proud of the the in-person and that really has changed in the last several years. Virtual programming is here to stay, but it does feel good that from a values perspective, I have always known that people first was one of my core values for Wellness Collective. And then here we are today talking about Cultivate Connections. I just kind of wanted to make that distinction or ironically connection that it has been foundational to me, for me, for the business. And I'm not just kind of grabbing onto something that's, that's trendy. It's something that I've always believed That said, I've shared that I take inspiration from my clients, and I am seeing just a higher demand for learning, development, experiences related to connecting people, specifically within the workplace and the workday. So that is exactly where we're headed today. We are going to talk a little bit at first about human connection. I don't think I really have to make a case for people needing people. I think I think deep down inside we know this. My standing joke is that people need people in different doses. <laughs> you know, different amounts, different ways. Some people like texting. I have text exhaustion right now. <laughs> you know, so I actually really like to pick up the phone and and talk. So People do need people in in different ways, in different doses, but we will begin today by talking about human connection. Then I really want to get into some discussion and discovery about the research behind it and how relationships are foundational to health and well-being. 
happiness. I also want to share just a couple of exercises, like things we can do on a daily basis when we are with others or even in our own quiet time, you know, journaling or so forth to strengthen human connection. And then as always, I like to just share like a flurry of ideas. I like being the idea person, if you will. I I talked about that, I think, on the strengths episode, but I'm continually reminded of it that, like, gosh, Katie, thank you for being the idea person. So if you're feeling like you need a little inspiration, motivation, more ways to cultivate connection in your personal life or in your workplace, I'm going to have a, a whole flurry of ideas at the end. So I'm very organized today. I have a very clear trajectory for us. Funny story, I was mentally preparing for today and I said to myself, can you go a whole episode without quoting Brene Brown? And then I was like, no, I can't. (laughs) No, I can't. (laughs) Gina, my producer, is laughing along with me. I have this pattern of opening the podcast with some common language and common vocabulary. I think I've shared this before. I'm just a real language person. I like linguistics. I like words. I like looking at definitions. I like choosing the definition that makes the most sense for what we're talking about and where we're headed with our learning and development. And so good old Brene, I looked at all the different ways to talk about connection. And I'm like, you know, her words, she is just so gifted in how she communicates with people about people. So I chose a Brene Brown definition for connection. And she describes it as this, the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. Ooh, there's so much good stuff in there that we could unpack. So I'm going to do just that. The more I learn about mental health, the more I learn about people... Being seen is huge. Being seen by other people. You know, yes, some people want the spotlight. They want the recognition. They want the fame, yada, yada, yada. But some people just want to be noticed. You know, so I really like that reminder. It's the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. Or another word for that would be appreciated. So yes, yes, yes. Love that. I like this piece about giving and receiving without judgment. Operating from a place of non-judgment is huge in the practice of mindfulness. And in that sense, it's really about non-judgment with yourself. So that is a powerful reminder. But with human connection and and looking at relationships, it's that ability to be judgment-free with whomever it is you're establishing that that trusting relationship. So I really, really like that. And then this last bit, they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. In other words, it's healthy. <laughs> it is healthy. And I don't have to probably go down this path too much, but I anticipate we could all close our eyes and think about one relationship in our life. This could be a work relationship This could be a personal relationship. And think about that relationship that did the opposite. It sucked the life out of you. It took you off course. 
It took you away from your values. It took something from you and created an unnecessary vulnerability, I'll call it, you know? And so we are seeking the opposite, right? How do we how do we feel that being in that other person's presence, being in that other person's life, it's it's a complementary experience and it's a strengthening and and uniting experience. So, so many good things had to lead with that. If we go back to psychology 101, we as humans, we need connection, coming back to that hierarchy of needs. Abraham Maslow's five-stage human motivation model, you know, the foundational need that we all have as people are basic, basic needs. We have basic physiological needs. We need food, water, shelter, warmth, rest, sleep. I joke that America's tired. We need those basics. Without those basics, where are we? We are in survival mode. It breaks my heart to think about the people in our local community who are in survival mode. You know, I I anticipate we've all been there to varying degrees, but for some people that's like a recurring daily thing is this survival mode. And, and understandably, it's going to be harder to have different life experiences as we move up this, this model when basic needs aren't being met. So also foundational to our physiological needs are our safety needs, right? That feeling of safety or security. Oh gosh, I think this gets threatened periodically, right? From a environmental perspective or cultural perspective or gosh, even in the workplace, is it safe to say this one thing or is it safe to throw out this crazy idea, right? We've talked about psychological safety, physical safety. I think that's really a concern in our culture right now with some of the headlines that we see. So safety is essential. From there, we also have these psychological needs, right? And so that's where we get into having that experience of belonging, giving and receiving love, having intimate relationships, having close friendships, having social support. Gosh, then there's that relationship with ourself, right? So our self-esteem needs, being confident in ourself and our abilities. And then sort of at the top of this model, not sort of, but actually at the top of this model is this idea of self-fulfillment needs or self-actualization. So achieving your full potential, being able to seek and pursue those creative aspirations or opportunities. And side note, this is a total like Katie spiritual woo-woo moment. I believe we are all here to create. I think oftentimes that word create is associated with only artistic creative endeavors, but I think we could argue that we are all creating something on this planet and let's make it good for for all involved. We are here to create relationships, to create impact, to create businesses, to create missions, to create growth, physically, mentally, emotionally, soul level growth. That's my two cents on the self-actualization piece. But right in the middle, you know, of the foundational needs and the self-fulfillment needs are those psychological and and relationship-driven needs. I've spoken about this before as well, but anytime I'm teeing up a subject, I like to look at different models, different 
visuals, different research, different perspectives as we tee up the topic. And I did speak about this, gosh, few other episodes. I, I oftentimes will share this PERMA model of well-being from Dr. Martin Seligman. And again, he talks about five drivers of well-being, those being positive emotion. So things like happiness and joy. He talks about engagement, right? Being an active participant in your life and your work and your hobbies. And then at the very center of this model is positive relationships. So I wanted to revisit it today because we are talking all about relationships and connection today. And then the model finishes up with meeting, accomplishment, and achievement, which kind of corroborates that last model that, that I was just mentioning. So then in the process of exploring this, this topic personally, I came across this study from good old Harvard, Harvard began tracking the health of 268 men beginning in 1938. And fun fact, it is still going on today. It's been going on for over 80 years. And long story short, what they have found is that people, well, this is a little biased, it was all men, (laughs) people who were the happiest in their relationships at age 50 were proven to be the healthiest at age 80. So it shows that connection. And so really the bottom line here is that embracing relationships, prioritizing relationships, establishing strong connection to others allows us to live longer lives, happier lives, and healthier lives. And it, it can be backed up. Not surprised, but I thought that was fun fun mentioning. I'd like to get some other people in on this study, by the way. <laughs> I I pulled a quote related to this study because, again, it, it's always nice to have a little evidence. I do think my podcast is a pretty solid blend of opinion, <laughs> life experiences, my experience of work, but then I, I do pull in evidence and Facts where I can. So I'll read this real quick. And and this says, this quote says, the surprising finding is that our relationships and how happy we are in relationships has a powerful influence on our health. Taking care of your body is important, but tending to your relationships is a form of self-care too. That I think is the revelation. And so this is from a Harvard article, and this quote is attributed to someone named Robert Waldinger. So I really like that last bit. Taking care of your body is important, right? Your physical health, but tending to your relationships is a form of self-care too. Last episode, we did talk about self-care at length and the many different ways that self-care can manifest and how it can look and what's healthy, what's unhealthy, but relationships really are critical. And I'm excited to get to the part where we talk about building relationships. Just to give a little bit more context to our chat today, I have just a couple of facts from this same Harvard study that I thought were worth mentioning, some takeaways. The authors, the researchers, they they basically came to this conclusion that loneliness is toxic and relationships are protective. So I think that's really important and worth relaying. Loneliness 
I fear is persistent in a post-pandemic world. I wonder, and I've said this before, so I don't mean to overdo it. I wonder how many people, their life is maybe forever changed because of fear and, and loneliness and isolation, you know, during pandemic times. And I don't even like that I'm still talking about it, but it's like, it also feels like a disservice to not talk about it. You know, we went through something massive in our lifetime, and I think we're still learning from it. This particular article cites that one in five people in America report feeling lonely. And I don't even know that this is the most recent research, to be honest. The quality of relationships matter. So it's it's not like quantity wins. <laughs> it's quality wins, right? So more isn't better. Better is better. And And I think how we each would define a quality relationship would be different person to person. Oh, and I caught this other quote. And shoot, I don't know who to attribute it to. So I'm just going to say unknown. <laughs> but in my notes, I have this quote of replace screen time with people time. I mean, any of us could have probably come up with that as well. But it's like, I just wrote it down as inspiration because it sometimes is upsetting to me just how much screen time we get. And that's actually, you know, a whole nother topic that I get asked to speak on is technology and well-being. And I've touched on it just a little bit. But by definition, if you look at like how many hours of technology consumption one has to have to be considered an addict, like by definition, we're all addicts. It's like six or more hours a day or something. And it's like, well, if you're a full-time working adult in an office, like you've been an addict for like the last decade or whatever <laughs> since PCs and and Microsoft, you know, runs your workday. So we are on screens to work. We're on screens to play, literally, you know, gaming type things and then all of the social media. And yes, one would maybe argue like, oh, yeah, social media has come so far in the last 20 years that, wow, like we're so connected. Well, mm, yeah, we are and we aren't, you know. There are some beautiful things that have come from it, but there are some really awful, tragic things as well. So everything kind of has this shadow side, if you will. So if you take nothing else from today, I hope you'll tuck your phone away occasionally. Oh, so I want to share this resource. We're, we're going to start shifting the conversation to how do we strengthen feelings of connection, feelings of human connection. And so, yes, absolutely, we could invite a friend to lunch. We could book a girl's trip. You know, we could do infinite things to get friend time. But what I'm about to share are actually exercises for strengthening human connection. And what you'll find is that an exercise might involve another human physically or it might not. And so maybe that's surprising. When I was seeking exercises to share with my clients, I decided to lean on this really awesome toolkit that I procured, I purchased, and I'm not, I'm not getting any incentive to uh, tell you about it. <laughs> I just am a raving fan. So I purchased this toolkit. It's called the Greater Good Toolkit, and it was a collaboration between an organization 
known for their manifestos and and positivity, named Holsti, and then also the Greater Good Science Center, which is a part of the University of California, Berkeley. The Greater Good Science Center, if you're not familiar, they have an amazing free online magazine, and it is all things well-being. It is all things positive psychology. I can't say enough good things about it in terms of resources and Gosh, all types of content to engage with. So if you like the types of things that we talk about and discuss in this podcast, then you are likely to be a super fan of the Greater Good Science Center. So anyhow, because I was a super fan and because I saw that this collaboration resulted in this toolkit, I thought, okay, I need this toolkit because I work with people for a living. I do learning and development and trainings for a living. I facilitate things for a living. I'm asked to do icebreakers and activities and all these things, and I wanted to have some really good resources. So some of what I'll share later today are from the Katie Toolkit, (laughs) but this is from the Greater Good Toolkit. And this toolkit, I would assume it's still available. I could have checked that before today, but I anticipate it's still available. I just got it a couple of years ago, a few years ago. The first exercise I chose to highlight for today is called active listening. And this will be a review. If you tuned into our episode on communication, active listening is about giving your whole self, (laughs) your whole self, your full attention to someone. It's active, not distracted. It's not distracted listening. We are like really expert level, I think, as a society at distracted listening. We try to do so many things at once. You're maybe even listening to a podcast and and driving and trying to, you know, yell at kids in the backseat. I don't know. I mean, we we just do it, right? I think moms in particular, we multitask. But what I have discovered as an adult is that I suck at it. I like super suck at multitasking. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. I remember being in high school and I could like talk on the phone and do my homework and eat dinner like all at the same time. I don't know. That was probably not a good idea. Not a best practice. But anyhow, the more, this is a fun fact on performance, the the more tasks we attempt to do simultaneously, the worse our performance is. And it's potentially unsafe in some situations, right? So the more we can monotask, the more we can give something or someone our full attention, the better the performance or the better the outcome. And in this case, the better the the human connection. So with this particular exercise, if, if you're going to practice active listening, you could reach out to a friend, you could reach out to your significant other or or your child, someone you live with and say, hey, I just really, I want to practice being a better listener. I mean, it might sound cheesy to say, let's do this exercise together, but I don't think it sounds cheesy to be authentic and say, I love you. I care about you. I want to hear about your day. And I actually want to work on being a better listener. And I think by owning that, this is me kind of adding my two cents to the toolkit. I think by leading with that, whomever you're talking to will potentially only have greater respect and appreciation for you saying like, hey, I'm working on this. So I wanted to kind of interject with that. But to do the exercise, you find your your talking partner. You find a quiet place to have a conversation free of interruption or distraction or background noise. One person gets to do the talking and the sharing. And then the listener works on 
this practice of truly listening with all senses, including that body language, you know, leaning in, appropriate eye contact, um, listening, not doing anything with the phone, obviously, and then being an engaged listener, you know, asking questions, expressing empathy, if that makes sense. Again, using that engaged body language, like sometimes it can be helpful to mirror what the other person is doing. Like if they lean in, you could lean in. If they kind of relax back, you relax back. Not to be weird, but it's actually supportive. Being mindful to avoid judgment, right? And to just reflect back and say, say what you're hearing in slightly different words. You know, if someone has a really, really demanding, crazy week, you know, you would simply reflect back by saying, wow, it sounds like this week of all weeks really has you running a lot of different directions. Am I hearing you right? You know, you just say it slightly differently. And then that creates space for them to correct something that might be a misunderstanding or to clarify something or say, yes, thank you. You finally get me or somebody gets me. You know, it, it can have that, that positive outcome. As we've already talked about, you know, we're working to not say, you know, that's good or that's bad or that's right or that's wrong. It's like, oh, that's happening, huh? <laughs> right? And and not giving advice unless it's asked for. We all have people in our lives who just want to fix it. <laughs> and sometimes I don't want it fixed or I don't think there's even a problem to fix. I just want to speak or share or rant or vent or whatever. And so that's really a skill to refine, too, is working to understand, okay, does this person really just want to share or does this person feel stuck? Does this person want to know what I think, care what I think? They may not, right? So kind of seeking to understand that. And then simply you, you exchange and take turns with the activity. Can't say enough good things about listening. And, you know, I, I don't pretend to have it all perfectly executed or, or sorted out all the time. I, I was even in a health coaching session earlier today, and I could sense that this person I was talking to really wanted to share. And it's not everybody's like that. Some people, you sort of have to like pull it out of them. But this person was on a roll. And I thought, Katie, stop talking. Because like, you know, I'd be like, I'd want to interject something supportive. or And I'm like, stop talking. Wait for the space. <laughs> you know, because when you want to help, you kind of want to jump in. But I was reminded, look, nope, nope, it's, it's time to be a listener. You can always be working on that. Okay, so the next exercise, and I should just say this toolkit is more like a deck. It's like a deck of cards with, with exercises and evidence and facts and research. And so essentially I pulled four cards. Like some people pull tarot cards, I pulled toolkit cards. So the second exercise I chose for today's topic is called Best Self. For relationships. So this exercise is actually done by yourself and it's a visualization exercise. So with visualization, it's an amazing way to use the mind's eye. It's our mind's ability to, to see or to picture something and to have that benefit of doing so. So with this exercise, you're visualizing what's possible. So you set it up like this. Imagine your relationships going as well as they possibly could. I'll say that one more time. Imagine your relationships going as well as they possibly could. And so think about the people in your life. 
your relationship with your significant other going as well as it possibly could, your relationship with your best friend, with your children, with your parent, with your best friend, what what would that look like? like? What would it literally look like and or feel like? And what would need to happen for the relationship to be going as well as it possibly could? And so after a moment of sitting and breathing and picturing, and it, I could see it being overwhelming to do all these relationships at once. So pick a starting point. I'm guessing the significant other would be a good place to start or your boss. You know, maybe you have this like super difficult relationship with someone at work. What would it look like for the relationship to be going as best as possible? And then you simply put pen to paper and write. What would need to happen for this to be? So the relationship is going as well as possible. What does it look like? What does it feel like? And what has to happen? And it just puts you in this place of possibility. It puts you in this place of positivity. It puts you in this place of action and empowerment and agency. So instead of saying or complaining about what's not going well, it it puts you in more of this like solutioning mindset. And I think that's really amazing. So that exercise, again, is called Best Self for Relationships. It also gives yourself responsibility. Like I'm a piece of this relationship. The other person's not the problem. I'm I'm a part of this relationship and and what's possible. The third exercise I chose for today is for feeling supported. Feeling supported. And again, this is done in your own time of reflection. You actually are are by yourself when you do this exercise. And this exercise is for remembering that you aren't alone. So again, we know that loneliness is not supportive. It's it's toxic for us. So we want to lean into that protective factor of feeling connected, feeling supported. So for this exercise, you think about the people you have turned to when you've been distressed in the past and you recall times when you felt comforted by them. So this is almost like a life review of like when I've had tough times, when I've been distressed, when I've been down, who have I turned to and how have they comforted me? And so this is actually an empowerment exercise because it reminds you that you are not alone. You haven't been alone your whole life, right? Because when we're upset, we get dramatic and we're like, woe is me. I'm all alone. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to help me. You know, I've got nobody to turn to. And it's it can be a little... Dramatic, right? But if we pause and we reflect back, even if that wasn't in your family, even if that wasn't like your everyday experience of life, if we look back and reflect, it's likely that there was some time, someone, some person, it might have been that coach that believed in you, that teacher who was patient with you, that grandmother who was like a mother to you, that neighbor who you could go knock on their door if you needed something, you know? So it allows you to feel empowered and comforted by the fact of good people do exist. They've been in my life in the past, and so therefore they'll be in my life again. And that feels really nice. And the last exercise I chose for today is, as you would expect, about feeling connected 
And it's about recalling a positive past experience. So our brains are oftentimes wired for the negative. It's that one thing that went sideways that we fixate on. We don't always default to the positive past experiences. Understandably, we have to heal from the tough stuff. So we constantly have to proactively, intentionally reach for the positive. So for this exercise, you think about a time when you felt a strong connection to another person and you describe the experience in writing. So again, this one's by yourself again. You're going to see this this common thread of control what you can, reflect, write, process, remember, learn, stay positive. But again, this is going to allow you to stir up that positive memory, and that positive memory can have that protective benefit. It can maybe even change your bodily sensations. You might feel more hopeful. And again, it reiterates that positive things have happened in the past, and so therefore positive things will happen again, right? But sometimes we get into this place of difficulty or, or frustration or hopelessness, and, and we really want to connect to those, those strong positive memories and use them for our benefit. All right, so now we're segueing into the Katie Toolkit. (laughs) As a practitioner of health and well-being and mind-body practices, as a coach, as a consultant, as someone who, I've said this before, I'm a self-help junkie. You know, these are some things that I lean on, that I've played with, that I have adopted, that I have found to be personally beneficial. And so therefore, I want to share back out as kind of this laundry list, if you will, of options to cultivate human connection. I have a Roll Dahl quote that I really like as well, and it, this seems like a good place to share it. And it says, stay close to people who feel like sunshine. So in Ohio, sunshine is especially amazing and comforting and and something we seek. You know, it's spring and summer, nice, but uh, gosh, winter gets a little gray. So we want people who feel like sunshine, people who were in their presence, and it's just a warm, lovely place to be, right? So where do we find people who feel like sunshine? Generally, if you start doing things that you're interested in, doing things that you're excited about, doing things that put a little pep in your step, doing things that that satisfy you again at that soul level or that gut level, you're going to find people who feel like sunshine. <laughs> but you have to show up doing the things that you love, and then I believe you'll find people you love. Very strong belief around that. So one possibility is volunteering. Yes, volunteering is a commitment from a time and energy perspective. It does not have to be a financial commitment necessarily, but people do say time is money. So maybe find what makes sense for you and your lifestyle and, and your responsibilities. But but even just a, a couple of hours, a quarter or a year of spending time on a mission with with people who are like-minded and have that same calling to that mission. You know, volunteer work could introduce you to a whole host of people you would have otherwise not met. And you're united by that, that sense of purpose and meaning and common goal or mission. The next recommendation is to join a group. Yes, there are infinite online groups, special interest groups, that type of thing. What we're really seeing in the workplace are 
associate resource groups or employee resource groups, as they're called. So people who are coming together again because they have this common passion or interest or cause. And so that's an awesome thing, joining a group within your workplace, uh, joining a group within your community. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a support group. Some people don't like the word support group because there's like a stigma with it. But I think we need to abandon that and say, I need support. So yes, I'm going to go to a support group. So you can join a group, find a group, meet up, I know is something that a lot of people use to just pop into like a social situation and meet people. If you're unsure of where to join a group, my next encouragement is to start a group. Now, I'm the person who needs to maybe stop starting things because <laughs> I'm like, I'm addicted to starting things. So everything, every strength can become a challenge, right? So I've started a couple things recently, but the last two things I've started, I'm super jazzed about. So I'm going to tell you about them briefly. And I wanted to give these as examples. When I say start a group, you're probably like, what do you mean start a group? Well, I really enjoy writing. I'm trying to finish one project in particular, but I also just like free writing, creative writing. I'm now trying to dabble with even fictional writing, even though I, I really think I'm meant to do nonfiction, self-help stuff. Anyways, I decided I want to start my own writing group. But before I even did that, I literally made like one post on Facebook and said, I want to have a writing retreat. Who wants to go? Do you know within like a couple of days, I had it full and people had already paid, and like we picked this sweet boss, boss ass. Am I allowed to say that boss ass place on Airbnb? And um, I can say whatever I want because I have editing power or not. But anyways, so I was like, yeah, it's cool. I'm starting a writing group apparently, and it was so cool to see who said, yes, I'm interested. They're people I don't normally hang out with. They're people I'm connected to through social media, but they're not people I hang out with all the time. And so it's going to be a very eclectic group, all ages, all different types of writing and projects, but everybody got to yes. And I was like, this is awesome. So that's one group that I'm excited about and excited to connect with. And then spontaneously last week, because I'm the crazy cat lady, we rescued four more kittens. And so that night, I'm like, oh, snap, have to get four kittens vetted and, and fixed and home, rehomed and all of that because I just know how overwhelmed the rescues are. So I was like, I'm going to start a rescue, <laughs> basically. So I'm calling it Katie Lady Kitten Sanctuary. And I fundraised like almost all the money within a week and I started a group. So I'm sure there's somebody out there shaking their head saying you have no experience in starting a rescue. What are you doing? But you know what? I'm doing the best I can. I'm using what I have, using what resources I have. I'm going to make sure everybody gets a great home. And anyway, so you can start anything at any time, only if it brings you joy, not if it brings you stress. <laughs> so that's the caveat. More ideas for human connection. Surprise someone. So you know who's really good at this is Oprah. I do not have an Oprah budget. So my surprise and delight looks like a bottle of wine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It looks like a card, <laughs> right? Sometimes when I do events, I'll put like a surprise and delight under the chair, you know, and then that person walks away with a prize. That is an Oprah moment, right? So we can surprise someone and kind of make their day and, and connect with someone by, by pouring into them, making or giving a gift. People love that. And then you'd have kind of that 
therapeutic, creative outlet, even just reaching out to others proactively when you don't need anything from them. You know, we've all had that friend reach out who like has to call in a favor and you're like, oh, nice to hear from you (laughs) when you're phoning a friend, right? But no, like just reaching out to say, I'm thinking about you today, right? I'm, I'm thinking about you. And that helps people to feel seen, even if virtually, right? Additional ideas for human connection. This one's my favorite. Smile at a stranger. Now, we know, we know that sometimes stranger danger is a real thing, so stay safe. But what I mean by this is emotions are contagious. We've, we've spoken about that. Smiling at someone and really seeing them could change their day without even saying a word, right? Because again, people need to be seen. People need to feel connected and acknowledged. You know, maybe someone's having the worst day ever. You know, don't drop the door on them. Hold the door for them. Look them in the eye. Smile. Say, oh, happy, happy to do this for you. You know, you really never know what role you're playing in someone's day. And so I... I firmly believe that we can be maybe that guardian angel for someone else and that it will absolutely reverse in such a way that that we're receiving some type of wisdom or support or encouragement or love or pay it forward from someone else. So I think seeking out those moments could be a game changer. Like I'm going to seek out how to connect with someone today that that obviously in a safe situation, but Maybe someone you don't know, but you're just curious how you can help them that day. Similarly, starting a conversation. I am totally that person on the airplane that will talk to the person next to me the whole time. <laughs> That's not for everyone, right? But when extroverts unite, <laughs> you know, some, some great conversation can happen organically. It's a way to connect, you know. So human connection to me is not just about friendships and relationships like we've spoken about thus far, where I'm kind of headed now is that it really can just be holding space for another human and and having that positive exchange with another human who maybe you won't even ever see again. You know, we can have those types of positive experiences and, and connections as well. Oh, this next idea I love. So the next idea I have for us is begin a new tradition. We tend to associate traditions with holidays and certain times in the calendar year. But the example I thought of is uh, a couple years ago, my kids were little and I said, can we please have pizza night every Friday night? And they're like, mom, they weren't that into it. (laughs) I was like, but I want to have time with you. I love pizza. And I said, what if you make the menus, you make the pizza? They're like, can we pour the wine? Sure, you can pour the wine. So basically, they wanted to play restaurant. I wanted to have pizza night. We made this little tradition out of it. It didn't last forever. It probably lasted for like six weeks. But it is an amazing memory. And it's something special that we'll be able to talk about. Um, Obviously, it's a little easier to establish those things with family members. But my encouragement is you can start a new tradition anytime. It could be every Wednesday, I do this, we do that, you know. So any time of year, any person in your life, begin a new tradition and and see how that positively strengthens your connection. Resolving conflict, you know, we have already spoken quite a bit about that in the communications session episode. We can strengthen connection and relationships 
by having really difficult and uncomfortable conversations. We tend to avoid them, understandably, but we have to ask ourselves, what price do we pay, right, for, for staying stuck, staying angry, staying in that kind of icky place. So kind of along the lines of creating new traditions, we can create memories and kind of decide, you know, what that might look like. Is it a trip? Is it an excursion? Is it an activity? Obviously, expressing gratitude to other people can can really help to strengthen connection. And gosh, I could probably go on and on and do a whole other session on that. But uh, for time's sake, I'm going to start to wrap up. You know, as I was thinking about human connection and people and strengthening relationships and this idea of resolving conflict, I thought, oh my gosh, I would be remiss if I didn't share or I would be, maybe the word is negligent, (laughs) I would regret not sharing an amazing resource I learned about for couples and strengthening connection in a couple situation or, or with a significant other. And so if you're having any challenges connecting, communicating with your significant other, I cannot say enough good things about the Gottman Institute. So the Gottmans are in a relationship themselves. They're both psychologists, and they really specialize in intervention for couples and relationships, all different types of relationships. They have assessments that kind of can predict how committed each person is to the relationship. They have infinite strategies and tools and books and apps and infographics and follow them on Instagram. Um, But they talk about ways to really, really cultivate connection in terms of your romantic relationships. So if you're looking to invest some time and energy in that, I just really felt like because I know about it and because it's its own specialty, um, I really wanted to mention the Gottman Institute. So it's Gottman.com, G-O-T-T-M-A-N.com. So check that out. Follow them on Instagram. And with that, I think we're complete. I mean, I think the last thing I will say, in marketing speak, it's the call to action. But no, I really, what I really mean and what I want to be authentic about in this moment is... I want to connect with people who have listened to this podcast because this is me putting myself out there. This is me having no podcast experience really ahead of these two seasons. This is me genuinely wanting to help people. I want to help people individually. I want to help organizations. I want people to have an amazing workplace experience, work day. I want them to love where they work. And I want to figure out how to keep helping people. And so with that, in terms of cultivating connection, I would love to hear from you. I would love to know what your takeaways are, what your feedback is. Uh, If you'd like to see future seasons, I would benefit from that encouragement. And uh, where to find me? You can find me on LinkedIn, Katie Tombaugh, K-A-T-Y-T-O-M-B-A-U-G-H. We also have a business page for Wellness Collective if you want to follow along. Obviously, you can contact me directly, K-A-T-Y at wellnesscollective.com if you'd like to email me. You can visit www.wellnesscollective.com and subscribe to Wellness at Work, which is a ton of resources direct to your inbox. I promise I do not spam you. I send you good, good stuff. Not good stuff, excellent stuff. And then finally, Facebook, Instagram, personally and professionally. So um, if you're looking for Wellness Collective on Instagram, you have to look for Wellness Collective at Work because we literally go into the workday. 
So with that, I'm complete. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I cannot wait to hear from you. Thanks so much.